0: Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I really am excited about uh, what we're gonna talk about today because this is, for me personally, in my past, is the scariest stumbling block that I've faced What we're going to talk about today is fear. And fear is a very real thing, and I know we're living in a day where it appears as though we're experiencing some some harder things and some scarier things than many of us have at any other point in our lifetime. And I want to acknowledge that, Uh, and and I don't want to make it sound as though fear isn't real. While fear is a choice, fear is very real, Uh, and, and so as someone who about 16 years ago dealt with Not just gripping fear, but a spirit of fear. I want to be really sensitive to the way that we walk this out. And hopefully, if you're in a season of life where you're battling fear in really gripping ways. I've been praying this week and really have known I was speaking on this for a couple of weeks. I've been praying for the last couple of weeks that the Holy Spirit would really uh, just blanket you with peace during this message. Would speak to your heart and embolden you to break the neck of the spirit of fear in your life, okay? All right. Let me give you, you know I love one-liners and and they're good one-liners, they're great one-liners and then I readily admit there are annoying one-liners, okay? And annoying one-liners, in my opinion, are the one-liners that are most expensive to live out, okay? It's okay to admit this, that every once in a while you read a verse that's an expensive verse And it kind of feels like an annoying verse. You're like, that is going to take me 15 years to walk out. It's a little bit annoying. It's okay to admit that, all right? This is one of those annoying, kind of annoying one-liners. When we talk about scary situations and, and things getting harder on the earth, I believe God puts us in situations where it would be easy to fear because it's one of the best ways to build your faith and bring him glory. So if you've been at this church for a while, you know that my personal perspective on what we're seeing on the earth is this is kind of just the beginning. Not to be the the pessimist or the bearer of bad news, I think it's going to get harder. I really do. But let me bring really good news. Don't see that as bad news. I, I think it's a divine setup because the harder things get, I believe, the more the world is going to begin studying the body of Christ as to why it's not quite affecting us the way it is everybody else. Not that it's not affecting us, but we're not living in controlling fear the way others might be. And they're going to start studying the church. That, that's my goal. I hope that's what begins to happen, that, that they begin to see we're not freaking out the way everyone else is. Why? But things might get a little bit harder. And if you study out church history, this is not the first time the church has gone through difficult seasons on the earth. Go study the 300s, the 1500s, dark, dark days. But the church of Jesus always prevails. IBM won't be around in 100 years if Jesus doesn't come back, but the church will. And Jesus is the reason for that. So let's not get overwhelmed you know, about diesel shortages and worldwide pandemics and and the economy doing this or that, let's make sure we don't focus on what's going on around us more than we focus on the one who stands over us. Okay? All right. Okay. So let's jump right into it. Just like last weekend, we're going to answer two questions. Same questions as last week and only, uh, or two weekends ago, uh, instead of insecurity, we're going to talk about Fear, or like, I guess that was last week, and it all blends together. Here's question number one. What's so dangerous about the fearful you? What's so dangerous about the fearful me? Here's the first answer. The fearful you walks by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we, speaking of the children of God, walk by faith, not by sight. We're called to live by faith. Here's the problem with fear. Fear lives by sight rather than on what God says. The Christian life will never be the easy life because the easy life will always be the faithless life. So we can't be asking God to make it easier. We actually need to ask for more of the Holy Spirit's power as things get harder. Numbers chapter 13, if, if you open up there, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. Moses has led the people of Israel through the Red Sea, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, and now it's time to go into the land of the promise. And God says, okay, here we are. Let's do this thing. And the people say, well, this is kind of freaky. There's a lot of people living in that land. Let's go scout it out. Moses says, okay, I'm going to send 12 spies into the land. And here's what he says. See if the people living in that land are big or small. See if they are strong or weak. Let's go scout it out and see if we can actually do this. Okay, is that how faith or fear talks? Okay, that's how fear talks. So he sends the 40 in, uh, the 12 men for 40 days, and that's where we pick up in verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the 12 spies, men, returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, And showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. Hit the pause button. They came back with clusters of grapes that would have rendered us all speechless. That proved a point. That this land is different than any other land we've ever seen before. So just get that picture. They are holding the evidence that this is in fact the amazing land God promised our ancestors all the way back to Abram. Now verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Why did they say it is indeed? Because God had already told them how awesome the land was. He'd been saying for generations, this land I am promising to you is a land flowing with milk and honey. The spies come back and say they affirm what God had already spoken. But here's the problem. Remember, fear doesn't go off of what God says. Fear goes off of what it sees. Keep going. Verse 28. But, but. So it's an amazing land, but. The people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. Here's one of the problems with fear. Fear causes you to see the enemies of God as being bigger than the blessings of God. They were holding the clusters of fruit, monstrous, bountiful fruit. But nobody was looking at how big the grapes were because 10 of the spies were going on and on about how big the giants were. Everybody has to decide, am I going to follow faith? Am I going to walk by faith or am I going to live in fear? Now skip down to verse 32. So the 10 spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. They spread a bad report. That's how afraid they were. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw Giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought about us too. You see how the fearful me talks? God was with them. But they couldn't stop talking about how big the giants were. And consequently, in comparison, how small they were. Fear causes you to view yourself in comparison to your enemy rather than comparing your enemy to your God. I'm about to show you something nasty. Remember, what was the report of the ten fearful spies? We're like grasshoppers to these huge honking giants. Okay, let me read you one of my favorite chapters. One verse out of my favorite chapter Chapters in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40. When you're ever overwhelmed with fear and you forget just what the God who stands with you is like, go read Isaiah 40 and let it just wash over you. It is nasty, okay? Here's one verse. Now remember, the 10 fearful spies, their report was we're like grasshoppers to these huge giants. Verse 22 of Isaiah 40. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below If that doesn't make you pin your spiritual shoulders back. Ten of them are running around going, these enemies are huge and we are so small in comparison to them. This is how fear talks. But faith says, yeah, okay, so Goliath is bigger than me. But he ain't bigger than my God. Goliath, stop looking at me. You should probably stare at the one standing behind me who's got my back. Fear focuses on what man can do to you, but faith focuses on what God can do, which man cannot. And just one more. This, this was a fun one that I got this week. If you battle fear and you every once in a while feel totally overwhelmed by your spiritual enemies, just remember, your enemies are infinitely more afraid of your God than you will ever be of your enemies. They are more afraid of your God than you will ever be of them. Just remember that, okay? But the fearful me, this is what it looks like. The fearful you, this is what you look like. We walk by sight what we see, not by what God says. Here's number two, the fearful you thinks, says, and does really foolish things. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 now. At this scary report by the ten fearful spies, look what happens. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. God's man, Moses. They're weeping and now frustrated with the guy God handpicked because they're afraid out of their minds. Their voices rose in that great course against Moses. If only we had died in Egypt. Okay, remember, the fearful me, the fearful you says some really foolish things. Can you see how foolish fear talks? We'd be better off back in Egypt. Let's go back and be slaves. Let's go find our masters again. Or even die here in the wilderness. They complain. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. (laughs) Do you see how dangerous fear is? Faith sees God's promise as a deed to the land, but fear sees the land as the fastest way to die. God had already promised the land those walking by faith, Joshua and Caleb knew what God had spoken to their ancestors. This is the land I promise to you. And faith says, if God promised it, it's good. It may not be now, but it's as good as done. It's settled. And if it's settled in God's heart, it needs to be settled in my heart, even if it's not time yet. Because that's how faith walks. The fearful me thinks, says, does some really foolish things. I remember when I was struggling with this fear. Riley, our our oldest, was a couple years old and she was in the kitchen playing around and, and I had not told Holly that I was battling this spirit of fear and it was getting quite out of control, gripping every day of my life. Uh, And it started just one day where I felt the enemy say, Preston, if you say yes to the call of God in your life to go to Scottsdale and start this church, what I did to Job will pale in comparison to what I do to you. That's where it started. And I didn't tell anyone because I was too embarrassed to admit that I believed his lie. And it started taking over my life. And this was one of those moments where I got exposed. But because Holly didn't know what was going on, she just thought I was weird, which is not abnormal for her to think. Riley's playing around in the kitchen, and she, she somehow put her arm down in between the handle on the oven and the glass of the oven. So she's stuck, and she starts freaking out. I'm in another room. Riley is screaming, like th- four years old, maybe, five years old, I don't know, uh, blood-curdling screams. Because I am up under this spirit of fear, I run in like a five-year-old little girl. I am screaming the same way Riley is. Oh, my Lord! I mean, literally. I I, I wish this was fictitious. I mean, I was freaking out. So what's going to happen to the five-year-old, four-year-old? She's going to freak out even more. The one who came to rescue me is freaking out more than me. Holly, being the savage that she is, so calmly walked into the kitchen, looked at me, Like, you got to be kidding me right now. (laughs) Go in the other room, she said. She just pulls Riley's arm out. Okay, question. How can a grown man get so freaked out about an arm being stuck that took one second and no help to get out? I will tell you how a spirit of fear I was so up under it I couldn't even see reality because everything is harder everything is worse with fear and so the fearful me says thinks does some really foolish things here's number three the third dangerous thing about the fearful me the fearful you misses out on amazing people amazing places and amazing things numbers 14 verse 30 God says to the people of Israel You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. You're out. You can't go in because of your fear. Now, some of you might say, it was doubt and unbelief that kept them out. Yes, that's the fruit on the tree of fear. It was fear that motivated them the entire time. God says, you're not going in. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Why? Because they were the only two walking by faith. Everybody walking in fear, wasn't able to go into the land of the promise, but their kids were. God actually even says at one point, he says, remember all that stuff you were saying, that your enemies are gonna take your kids and they're all gonna die? I have news for you. Your generation is the one that's gonna die in the wilderness and your children are going to live in the land of my promise. Fear causes uh, causes us to miss out on amazing things amazing people in amazing places i remember one time uh, because fear wasn't new to me i kind of grew up with a lot of fear uh and and it's just it came to a head about 16 years ago but i've told this story before and i won't tell all of it but my freshman year in college i was dating a girl thought we were going to get married and not only did she not break up with me she got engaged to another guy without breaking up with me okay aren't you proud of your pastor uh, yeah, he's a hero, isn't he? Uh, it, it was a tough time. And I, I kind of went into a little bit of depression, stopped going to class, uh, got a, I think a 1.4 GPA that first semester of college. Cause I just stopped going to class, couldn't play basketball. It, it was horrible, but I didn't care. Cause I, I was just so hurt. And I remember sitting with my mom at our favorite Mexican restaurant when I was back home and I told her, and I was dead serious in my heart. I will never date again. I literally said that out loud. I will never, what was I actually saying? I don't ever want to be hurt like this again. And I'm so afraid of being hurt in this situation. The only way I can think not to feel this way ever again is to never put myself in that situation. Do you know what that would have cost me? The greatest thing that has ever happened to me not named Jesus, that woman, can take so much credit for the man I am. I am not joking you. If she wasn't with me, I would have bounced in the first two years of this church. When that woman stands with me, and I feel like God is, I I can do anything God asks me to do, but without that girl, my life gets harder. I would have missed out. Not just on my kids. She is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, not named Jesus. But that boy looked at his mother that day and said, I don't want it because I am so afraid she might hurt me too. Do you see what fear does to us? And Satan loves it. Satan loves it. Satan loves it when I say I don't even want to play the game because I'm scared. Not only do I not want to get married, I don't even want to date because I don't want to be hurt. I'm scared to death. So I'll just hole up all by myself, because that's the only way I know not to get hurt. Okay, well, that might keep you from getting hurt. I can't guarantee that, because we live in a fallen world. But I can guarantee you that holding up and isolating like that, because of fear, will cost you so many amazing things. The fearful me misses out on amazing people, amazing places, and amazing things in an attempt to keep something from happening. Fear will try and stop everything from happening. And that leads to the fourth thing. For the answer to the question, what's so dangerous about the fearful you? The fearful you travels the much harder road. Everything is harder with fear. I can say that from experience. Easy things become very hard with fear. Look in verse 34 of Numbers 14. God says, because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences for your sins. What were the sins? Fear, doubt, which caused doubt and unbelief. Those were the big sins. But fear was the root of it. See, I always laugh when people act like God's original plan from the beginning was 40 years in the wilderness. It wasn't. It should have taken them less than two to get in. But the reason it took 40 was punishment for the 40 days of fear they scouted out the land God had already told them was theirs to go receive. Everything gets harder with fear. Think about it. When, when you're battling fear, I go back to when I was a kid. Like If, if you uh, were taking out the trash at nighttime and on your street, like where we live right now, in our neighborhood, there's no street light at all and we have a really long dirt driveway, okay? It's like a little country property. It's like just a long dirt driveway, and there's no lights. I would be lying if I didn't say, every once in a while I don't have the thought, like I did when I was a teenager. I wonder if there's a sniper on the roof of my neighbor's house. (laughs) You know, you just get a random thought like that. And you try and play it off, you know? You're trying to just act like you're cool, like dragging that trash. And so I, I don't know why the trash feels like a, a, a force field, you know, but the second you get to the cul-de-sac and you drop the trash, it's like now you're exposed. And, and I mean, maybe you never did this as a child, but I mean, did you ever find yourself kind of doing this thing right here? It's hard to hit a moving target, right? I mean, I, I would kind of dodge a little bit. You know, think about it. I'm just taking the trash out. Ain't nothing going to happen. But this is what fear does. Fear always convinces us of the worst case scenario. That's scary. Because it's not even real. What fear does to you is often worse than what actually happens to you. Somebody can live in fear of going to the dentist for months and years and then they go and it's like they rub a little gel on your gums they go numb they stick a needle in there you can't even feel it then your whole mouth goes numb and then they fix your tooth and you're like did I just spend the last two years of my life freaking out about that that's what fear does it always tries to take us to the worst case scenario second question how do we overcome fear? If that's just a glimpse of what the fearful me looks like, how do I overcome fear? Let me give you a couple of things. First, understand where fear comes from. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit pneuma of fear. Now remember, pneuma can be used for the Holy Spirit, capital S, Spirit. It can be used for the spirit of man, but also... When scripture talked about Jesus casting out evil spirits, it's also the word pneuma. Interesting. I didn't understand this growing up. Because I just thought when I was battling with fear that I was just always going to live with it. It was an emotion I couldn't control. That I probably need to go to some Tony Robbins seminar one day and overcome my fear. Here's, Here's what the Lord helped me understand with this verse I just read to you. While fear is an emotion, never, ever forget fear is also a spirit, a pneuma, an evil spirit. There is such a thing as a spirit of fear. And don't you love that we serve a God who goes on record in his word and says, hey, you feel that fear like that, Preston? That is not me. I do not give a spirit of fear. Now, I think some of us, just fast forward, there's a reason. Some of you are like, get to the rest of the verse. Don't quote it out of context, Preston. No, I think part of the problem is some of us get so focused on, but power, love, and sound mind. So much that we forget, God says, hey, Preston, you're overwhelmed by fear right now? That didn't come from me. I didn't give you that. This is important that we understand. When my children would have bad dreams when they were little, where would they run? They would come and jump in daddy and mommy's bed, right? Okay, if we think that fear is just something we're always going to have to endure, not just as an emotion, but as a spirit, it will keep us at a distance from the father. When what he wants, Preston, you get overwhelmed with fear, just come jump in my bed, bro. Just like Tyler did, just come jump in my bed. Fall asleep next to me. I stand over your bed. This is what we just talked about. I stand over your bed every night. Relax. That fear, someone's picking on you. And once I realized that, I actually felt a lot more normal. Because I thought something was really wrong with me. I just didn't realize I was being picked on. First John 4.18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love, God is love, casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Anybody who has ever dealt with fear felt like they were tormented before? I'm putting my hand up. Yep, just want you to look around. Let's all put our hands up who, who said, yep, whoo, you're not the only one. Fear picks on a lot of people, especially followers of Jesus. And let, let me just say if you think that God is scary, I'm gonna give you just kind of my own personal belief. I don't believe God is the type of father who will ever use the word boo. Let me give you context. Never told you this before, but I can't stand people who love to scare people. It's always been a problem for me, going back to my childhood. Like I'm just being totally transparent right now. You know that kid in your class that would get ahead of the class when we were going to get water and he'd hide behind the corners so he could jump out and go, and somebody would freak out? Remember that kid? Okay, never liked that kid. (laughs) Wanted to punch that kid in the face, not going to lie. Because why would you scare someone you love? That's how I've always seen it. Like when my own kids do it to each other, they will tell you. I get upset. I don't, I don't stand for this. Well, we're just being silly. But your sister just dropped a glass. I don't find that funny. It scared her. More specifically, you scared her. Here's the awesome news about God. God will never scare you like that. He promises. He says, Preston, when you're afraid, it's not because of me. We're not talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about being afraid of God. Two totally different things. I don't think God is going to scare you. And even better than that, when you're scared, he loves it when we run to him. Second, how do you overcome fear? Have friends full of faith. It's easier to walk by faith when you are surrounded by friends who are full of faith. Look in Numbers 14, verse 6. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing at what was going on, the fear running rampant. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people in the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Everybody needs friends like that in their life. I learned this. Two years of wrestling with a spirit of fear and not telling anyone, including my wife. The first person I confessed it to was my best friend, Tim Ross. I was embarrassed to tell him some and I told him everything, the thoughts I had, the lies I was believing. And I I sat across the table from my best friend at Cheesecake Factory that day, and my friend got so riled up for his friend. He saw I was getting my tail kicked in. And it was like something rose up in him, and I know what that something, capital S, was, the spirit of the living God. And instead of just encouraging me, he started prophesying over me. And he started shining light on the lies of the enemy. Pressing going to Scottsdale isn't going to cost you your family. And he he just starts going off and just prophesying. And here's what happened. Fear started to move and faith started to rise. Why? Because I had a friend full of faith. This is one of the reasons why we tell you, please don't come here, call this church your home, and not get connected to some of the amazing people here. You You might not need us today. You might not need your life group today. But I assure you, You're going to. So you might as well start building relational equity now. It's the smartest time to get into a group when you think you don't need it. Because then you can build up relational equity so that when you do go through a storm, there are years of friendship to bank on, to go off of. So that when you pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm up under it right now and I'm scared, your friend doesn't just stay on the other end of the line, they jump in their car, come over to your house and start prophesying over you. We need friends. If we're going to live a life that is not by fear, but walks by faith, we need to surround ourselves with friends who are full of faith. Here's the third thing. If you wanna overcome fear, get a revelation that God is with you. We talked a little bit about this last week. God's obsessed with you, he stands over your bed, but he's with you. Fear is the result of forgetting God is with me. Psalm 23 verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fear anything that could happen to me in this valley. Why? Not because I'm some dude, but because you are God. And you are with me. Even though. So don't ask God to get rid of the hard stuff. Even though I go through the hard, dark stuff. I will not fear. Here's what we need to understand about this verse. Danger is real, but fear is a choice. He says, I choose not to be afraid. I choose to remember God is with me even though I go through this really dark season. If you put a marker in Psalm 46, let's read that together. Verse one, very famous verse. So we'll read it together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Right? Many of us love that verse. We'll go through hard times. God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help, in trouble. Many of us memorize that going back to our childhood and Sunday school, but anybody memorize the next two verses? Let me read them to you. Therefore, because God is my refuge and is a very present help in trouble, therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed. And even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And even though its waters roar with tsunamis and are troubled, even though the mountains shake with its swelling, we will not fear because our God is our refuge and our God is always present, especially in times of trouble. We have to remember God is with us. If I could go back and do it all over again, I, I would have just focused more on his face and that's not a cliche. I got so focused on what the enemy was saying to me, what could happen to me and the ones I love that I wasn't even talking about, about any of it with God anymore because I was so fixated on the lies. And that's what happens when you get underneath a cloud of fear from the spirit of fear. You forget the elementary things. God is with me. He's a very present help in times of trouble. Here's the last thing. If you want to overcome fear, let God deliver you. Let God deliver you. Psalm 34, verse 4 I sought the Lord, and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. This word, deliver, is such a powerful word, and I wish I had more time to devour it with you. Understand, God won't deliver you from every scary situation but he can deliver you from your fears no matter the situation. Here's what happened. When God delivered me from my fear, I don't believe that he moved the cloud. What I felt happened was he removed me from underneath it. Fear's always out there. This is why you need to be careful about what you feed your mind with. Fear sells. Go watch the news. Fear sells. It gets you to tune in because somebody needs to tell you what's going on out there. So you're in the know. Fear sells. I can't argue that. Fear's always out there. And I was up under the cloud. And I didn't know how to overcome it, so to speak, until I learned the best way to overcome it is to allow God to deliver me out from underneath it. And that day with my best friend, I grabbed onto the hand of God and said, get me out of here. I can't live like this anymore. And I felt him grab me by the hand and take me out from underneath. He delivered me from all of my fears. Have I been scared since then? Yes. Has it ever been debilitating like then? No. It's not because I got stronger. It's because my address changed. (laughs) He changed my address. My mail doesn't go underneath that cloud anymore. Grab grabbed me by the hand and delivered me, rescued me from my fears. See, I thought back then that the harder things got, the scarier it was going to be. And here's one of the things I learned. With God, things don't have to get scarier even when they get harder. I get some of us in our flesh, we want the pastor to preach the message. It's gonna get easier. I'm not that guy. And I'm not trying to be a a pessimist. I'm trying to say darkness is always a setup for the light. And it's entirely possible that as things get harder on this earth, everyone else is going to get more and more afraid. But the scarier things get on the earth, it's my personal belief, the more the world will study why the people of God are the least afraid. But here's the billion dollar question. Will they study you? Will they study me? Would you bow your heads? Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.